This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London Deadline Day podcast. And we're literally smack bang in the middle of transfer deadline day. It's still, it's still clock's ticking still. It's still the afternoon. We're sitting here. The sun's out. And what a absolute bonkers, bonkers. transfer deadline window it's been. And it looks like it get even more bonkers. bonkers. I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in a boozer, which I guess is quite apt for the transfer window. It's on the location where Brentford was built. Kew Bridge and literally right across the road from our new home which is Lionel Road. We're at 1 over the 8, an absolutely lovely day, sun shining still, they've taken really really good care of us, we've had a few drinks, we've had a bit of tucker and we've been sitting here just watching the screen rolling as players have been selling, sold, players have been coming, there's all sorts of activity happening and I thought to me, I'll sit here in 1 over the 8 with my chums, we're all here experiencing the joys and the pain of transfer deadline day. My chum's here, Laney Lane, Dave Laney Lane. How are you, Dave? Um, have you ever experienced such a bonkers day like this? I mean, have bonkers. you seen anything like it? Not really. I mean, you know, I've, I don't think I've been this excited since um, Brentford signed three players from Dagenham in 2009. Sam Saunders, Ben Strevens and Danny Foster. That was that was the last time I felt like we'd seen this much activity. Uh, no, but seriously, it's, it's been, as you say, bonkers is the only bonkers. one that really describes what's happened in this transfer window. You know, we're normally waiting and sort of dreading the vultures coming down to swoop. Um, and we've, we have experienced some of that, you know, losing, uh, losing Neil Morpay couple of days ago wasn't wasn't you know the news that we all hoped would happen but it was there was some sort of inevitability about that but we seem to be uh you know bringing in two or three players for every position that we lose so you know um the the dofs of well they must have like the phone welded to their ears at the moment welded to their ears savvy b is here as well just sitting down there savvy b it's a bit bonkers, isn't it? Bonkers. It's very bonkers, yeah. I mean, this, this has been bonkers for a couple of months now because uh, I think it went full, full on sort of uh, all the way to 11 bonkers when we signed Janssen from Leeds. And it's just been like right up there ever since. So, it's yeah, it's been proper bonkers. I think the last time it was kind of this bonkers was um, I think the Mariner Steikhaus and Big Churn when we started getting all these people from Eastern Europe uh, who we'd never heard of. And uh, it's, it's a little bit like that, but with, uh, with a lot more money. Do you think, right, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking about this because obviously there's been a massive sea change. Do you think that over the summer, they all sort of kind of went out or they sort of sat around in this big room together. They sort of opened up sort of some box and started to take some bonkers tablets and all of a sudden they just thought, eh, we've just gone and then absolute bonkers. I, I think this, is, this all goes back to January when we sold uh, Meppen Woods and Yanaris and got loads and loads of money in. I think that set us up for a bonkers window because uh, it meant that we already had the money in to go out and, and buy. 
and it's actually got bonk more bonkers as it's gone along as we've been able to sell other players like Consu and Mopay for loads of money so we are we are very cash rich and also you have to replace these good players and you have to replace them with players that uh, can also make you a bit of money at the end which is why we've gone for quite a few 19 year olds in the past week Indeed, indeed. Listen, Katie B. Graham as well. Katie, I can see that you you, you, you you can't help it. I mean, you've gone bonkers on the other side of the table there as well. Have you seen anything <laughs> like this at all in your whole time supporting Brevard? I have not seen anything like this. And I'm slightly concerned if this is the brave new world that we're walking into, this point every year is going to be very, very stressful. January will be very, very stressful. Um, but it's very exciting as well. There's lots of new, exciting talent coming in. Um, we're, I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen in the next hour and 45. I mean, let's, let's not make any presumptions. Maybe they've just decided to take the bonkers tablets just this summer and afterwards, next January and next year, we're just going to go back to normal, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're overdosing on the bonkers tablets right now. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Listen, we've got Robin Hood, the McMichael, in the house as well. Robin Hood, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Bill. Yeah. Are you feeling a little bit kind of like, you know, kind of just going a little bit crazy, you know what I'm saying? Sort of going to throw yourself into the river here or anything like that? Yeah, I think there must, there must be something in the river with the, what's happening at Brentford at the moment. The last time I had this sort of what the hell is happening at Brentford Football Club feeling, it was for the wrong reasons when myself, you, Laney and Ed the Head sat in the booze about two years ago and we um, just actually sold three players to Birmingham. And it was that sort of, oh my God, what is happening at Brentford? I just don't understand it. Reverse bonkers. Reverse bonkers, yes. Reverse bonkers tablets. They've changed, changed the prescription. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited. No, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say excited for the right reasons, just because there's still a bit of time to go uh, before the window slams shut. But um, yeah, it's, I am feeling very, very bonkers, very, very giddy. Excellent, and I haven't felt this excited since we, we signed Stan Bowles, because for me, when we signed Stan Bowles, <laughs> that meant that we'd we just come, we, we'd gone from another level, didn't we? We went from just little Brentford to, to massive Brentford when we, we signed Stan Bowles. Anyway, we should move on. Listen, we've got loads and loads to talk to today. This is going to be a bit of a free-flowing podcast, because obviously we don't know what's going to be happening, we don't know who we've signed, who we've not signed, who's coming, who's leaving, all that kind of stuff. But what we're going to be doing in this podcast, hopefully, we'll be looking at some activity Who's come to Brentford so far? Who might go? Who is going to be going? Who has gone? We're going to be looking at the activity around the championship, what the other teams have been doing as well. So we'll be looking at that. We'll also be looking at Brentford's transfer window. We'll be looking at who we've signed and who we've let go as well and analysing that one. Also, we'll be notifying you at any time if there's any signings because I know some of you guys might have been at work today. You might not be able to keep your, your finger refreshed on the button. So we'll be giving a little bit of summary what's happening, the news um, the screws, everything like that that's going down, we'll be giving you all this also we may, depending on what happens we may have the interview with some fans who are fans of the teams of players that we're trying to sign, so we're trying to be a little bit exclusive vote on this one as well plus of course, don't forget we have got a game on Saturday which, you know, the players that we sign, we'll be hopefully playing in on Saturday, we're going up to Borough a game that we do very, very much enjoy, looking forward to, and also it's a very tough game, and we're going to be hearing from the crew at Red Army TV, who will be previewing the Borough game from us. But listen, first of all, what we need to do is we need to just go back a little bit because there's been a little bit of activity over the past 24 hours. Brentford has signed a couple of players and also we're looking at possibly signing some more and possibly some leaving. We'll be talking after this twang about Brentford's transfer activity. So the window's not closed yet. Like I said to you, if 5 o'clock it closes, but it's still the window's wide open. However... Brentford have made a couple of signings in the last 24 hours. I mean, before that, we talked about it. If you listen to Pride of West Dot London, our radio show on Love Sport, Monday night, 8 o'clock. Check it every Monday night. We talked about all our new signings. So we talked about Drew 
Yearwood. And also we also talked about Brian from Troy, as we call him, Brian Moemo. We've signed both those players as well. Very exciting players. And we talked about them loads on the radio show. So check out prideofwest.london. You can hear back to that. We'll talk about a little bit more about the players that we signed a little bit later in this podcast. But now we're going to talk about the new fresh signings. We signed, we were looking for a left back. And as people might know, Max Lowe, we were sniffing around him. Derby County left back. Derby County, not interested in selling to a rival. So we moved on and we looked at different options and one of the players that we're looking up there was Dominic Thompson. They've obviously scouted him loads. Left back, 19 years old, Arsenal Academy player, can play wing back. And uh, we signed him to Brentford, signed last night, and it was announced today. He's competing, as Thomas Frank said, for the left wing back position with Rico Henry. And we'll talk about Rico in a little bit. So this is quite interesting. He played loads of games for Arsenal 23. He's been playing it up. He's only 19 years old, but he's been playing Arsenal 20, under 23. So they think there's obviously a lot. Of potential with this player so Dominic Thompson um, this is an interesting one Savvy don't you think yeah I mean uh, I, th- I think we've all been crying out for uh, some kind of support at left back and um, uh, and really very worried I think if uh, Rico was to leave as, uh, as some some talk was but I think if Rico stays and I hope he does and we've got uh, uh, Dominic Thompson behind him um, then I think we're, we're kind of nicely covered there uh, the reports from Arsenal are good that he's uh, he is a proper wing back uh, but also very defensively minded, and uh, and can put a decent cross in. So it's exactly what we want from a from a, a bees type player. We know how fragile Rico Henry's been in his time at Brentford. You know when when, when we got him fit, when he's when he's kind of at his at his best, he, he's class. You know we we you know there's talk about him progressing, and there was talk about him being a future England international, full England international. But we do need cover for him, and uh, you know Thompson coming in is only going to help that. If if Celtic can come back and get something over the line, you know that that situation changes all over again. But for the moment, Thompson's arrival boosts us. In fact, indeed, he does boost us, Kay. Well, and Thompson looks good in that he's just had a pre-season with Arsenal, so as well as having played all those games previously for Arsenal under 23s and Arsenal under 18s as well, so he's been in and around that squad for a while. He's also been on their trip to Barcelona last week. Uh, he's played in their games against Colorado Rapids and Fiorentina, so you know, hopefully he's uh, ready to kick on and ready to get some proper games. That's right, indeed. Uh, Robin Hood. Um, yeah, I think the simple fact is that uh, before today, uh, before the start of the day, we were thinking, okay, that left back, that left wing back position looks a little bit scarce with um, Rico Henry. Rico Henry, who's a little bit fragile. Uh, it's a very logical signing. I think it's a good signing. It's a young player uh, who can learn from the players around him, uh, and yeah, it, it instantly strengthens us in terms of a squad depth. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic signing. I'm really pleased with it. Good. So we talk about Dominic Thompson. She'll move on rapidly, like I said, because we've got so much to cover today as well. Um, the striker situation, obviously Neil Malpay left for Brighton at the beginning of the week. Lots of fans very, very unhappy about that. Only the fact that Neil Malpay is a brilliant player for us and we thought that he may have wanted to stay with us in, a, uh, in our ambition to get to the Premier League. But no, he's gone to Brighton, so we shall move on. So the, uh, the search for the striker is been on and it's been hardcore and you can see Brentford have not been funny uh, but properly they've like literally got irons in all sorts of fires and uh, we've been sort of monitoring quite a few there's been some which have been right some that have not been quite right you know lots of lots of rumours going around there and this one literally popped out of the blue there's a young Dutch Turkish striker who Brentford signed last night 
the information kind of came via his dad who was very proudly sort of kind of talking about how you know his son is signed for Brentford and then his club was very happy about talking about it as well and and uh, and also the the local press in Holland was happy to talk about it so we we've checked out all the sources all verified sources so we thought we put the information out there and it's a, a young lad called Halil Dervisholu Dervisholu Savvy B you know all about this guy don't you yeah, I've, I've had a little delve, and uh, he's, he's a 19-year-old, born in Rotterdam to um, to Turkish parents. Uh, he's been uh, with Sparta Rotterdam since the age of 10. And uh, when he was in the youth team, 17-18, uh, he scored uh, 25 goals in 36 appearances, which is pretty impressive stuff. Then he moved into the first team and scored 10 goals in 34 appearances. So that's pretty good for an 18, 19-year-old. So uh, it's all looking good. He's actually had a couple of games for the Turkish uh, under-19 side. And our, our correspondent, um, Turkish B, we'll call him, uh, <laughs> for want of a better name, um, he's, he's given us a bit of info and uh, he says he's got great, great development potential. He's, uh, he's got good body strength and agility. Uh, he's a good reader of the, great, of the game and has very good uh, positional sense. And he's also a good dribbler and can sort of run at defences as well. So uh, it's, uh, it sounds like a really good buy, 19-year-old, uh, for £3 million, I think. Uh, we're looking at so uh, it looks like a real fantastic buy for us and, and it's interesting because he is you know we talked about Pontus Janssen we talked about you know even spending 10 million pounds on you know a potential striker but this player is a this is a real typical Brentford striker you know he's one of these ones who are young uh, relatively the money is small relatively to what you're paying out there at the moment now and you can get a bit of development out of him he actually played for Sparta Rotterdam who are in the second division the second Dutch division last season and he helped them to promotion they uh, they finished. I think they finished second, and they ended up in the playoffs, and they won the playoffs. So they actually got promoted. So they're actually in the Eredivisie this season. So they've done really well. He's done really well with them, and scoring 26 goals, I think it is, in 36 games. Rafflu about that, I think is unbelievable. So uh, like I said to you, he's uh, he's a big hope out there, and uh, they're very very excited about where they're going to be going with him. So we shall see where that goes. But also interestingly about this deal, you probably won't hear this announced via Brentford or anybody else, and the reason why is that we've signed him. But we've actually uh, we're not going to get him till January, so we've kind of done the deal. But he's not actually going to come, so he's going to be with Sparta Rotterdam again till January 2020, um, unless uh, something happens and we do like we did to Tarki. We're Tarki, we, you know, we, we signed him and we weren't going to get him till the following summer, I think it was. And then I don't think we got the one of the players that we had didn't come or one of us left and then we end up going actually no we're not going to loan him back to you we're just going to take him so we actually kind of kept hold of Tarki and he came to us earlier than he was meant to and we sort of reneged on a deal so uh, <laughs> maybe that might happen we shall see depending on what happens at the end of this window so those are two players like I said to you assigned for Brentford as well but we also should look at what else is going around as in Brentford are looking at quite a few players like I said to you they've got proper irons in fires at the moment now and the reason is obviously we're relatively cash rich we've got a lot of money in from players so we've spent a lot of money as well but we haven't spent nearly as much as we've got and we've got in nearly 60 million pounds and as we speak I think we've gone on to spend roughly about uh, 20 25 million pounds as well so it goes to show you roughly you know where we're at 60 million pounds in 25 million pounds spent we don't spend all the money that we have we've worked out over the past few years roughly Brentford spends about 50% of the money that we get in. So you look at that, maybe if we might go a little bit potty this time and we might spend, you know, sort of kind of 60% of the money. So which means that, you know, we've got probably got about another £10 million to spend now. So there's a couple of players that we've been looking at, quite a few players that we've been looking at. A guy called Samam Khoro, okay? And uh, that is pronunciation. He's a Swedish striker. 
um, um, of Persian descent. And he actually played for, uh, well, he played for Sweden quite a few times, but then he decided to change and play for Iran. He plays for the Iran national side. He actually played in the last World Cup, played in all the matches in the World Cup. And uh, he's really highly regarded. He played and he made his mark playing for Ostersund, which is uh, um, Potter's team, Potter, who is the Swansea manager. And he actually signed him from a small second division Swedish club and he played him and he scored loads of goals, did really well. Score, you know, his team, which is a tiny little team up there, but they were sort of kind of like, you know, they took AIK and Hammarby and all these teams, they took them to the sword and they, uh, and they, they did really well. He scored in the Swedish Cup final, which they won as well. So that was really good. That actually gave him a path through to the, um, UEFA, the uh, Europa League. And uh, that year in the Europa League, they beat Galatasaray 2-0. And if I remember rightly, Joro, he, uh, he uh, had one assist and he also scored a goal in that one. And the following season, there was a very, very famous victory where they beat Arsenal in the Europa League as well. And that was the, that was the, that was the game where everyone went, who is this team? Osterson, there was loads of articles about them. And Potter rose to fame. And after that, Potter actually got his move to Swansea. And also Joro, he, um, he got his move to France which is Amiens so he actually moved to a very small club in France which is Amiens and this is the club that we are trying to sign him from at the moment now the word on the street was beforehand he's flown over he's going to get his medical you know it looks like terms are agreed but as we are speaking now we've heard things have gone horribly wrong this is just rumours from the press and people out there um, things have gone horribly wrong and the, the deal has fallen through now whether or not this is the case or not we've still got an hour and a half to go we shall see as we carry on with this podcast but he sounds like a really great player I've spoken to fans down at Amiens as well who are like crying saying he's our best player he's absolutely fantastic we haven't got that much money but he's actually really really good we were, you know, just talking a minute ago that if he if he does pull out of this, it, it puts him in a very odd position. But you know, I know obviously the um, the foreign transfer deadline doesn't end, and there could be a sort of like an inter-European transfer option for him. But if he wants to come to England and stand a chance of getting into the Premier League and using Brentford as a springboard, like Morpay's done, he's got to go back and kind of perform again and hope and wait until January do you think this is just a little bit of shenanigans well as I'm saying it could be a bit of shenanigans I mean it is his agent who you know there's again rumors going around and this is an allegedly you know is a little bit you know could be a little bit tricky so maybe he's finding a few little tricks but you're talking about sort of three or four hours before the transfer deadline um, saying that because Brentford are in for it you never know somebody else might have put a quick phone call in and said actually we'll give you more money so that might have been part of the situation but if they're sort of kind of trying to sort of kind of squeeze more money out of us, the problem that he's got is that he's gone to Amiens and he hasn't done nearly as well. I think he scored four goals in his 27 or so games for this the French league side, and there's numerous reasons for that, which hopefully, like I said to you, our, our, our Persian football experts will tell you about that. So he's got to look at the bigger picture here if he wants to come to Brentford, and uh, we shall see in the next couple of hours if he does that. So he's after after more pay, yeah. <laughs> after more pay, he is after more pay, yeah. And whether or not he gets it or not, we don't know. But listen, we should move on from that really bad pun. It's the kind of pun that I like, actually. <laughs> um, sun's out and sun's shining. The sun's shining upon us. Will it be shining over Jersey Road? Will it be shining on these new players that we're looking to get? Interesting one, which came out of the blue as well. Kyle Taylor. Kyle Taylor, a young 29-year-old striker who came from... Uh, well Charlton Athletic when he came from a number of clubs but Charlton Athletic is where he's been and he's been banging in the goals last season I think he scored 25 goals for Charlton in their promotion year and uh, 
He's come in there. He scored a goal on his debut in the championship against Blackburn, up at Blackburn on Saturday. And all of a sudden, bang, Brentford have put in a bid for him. And for what we've heard, Charlton have turned down a number of bids for Carl Taylor. The Charlton fans are going absolutely bonkers. They're very, very unhappy. I mean, they're, they're unha- unhappy that the fact that we actually, you know, bought Conza of them and they had no sell-on clause and they believe that their owner isn't doing the right type of deal. So they just believe now with this Carl Taylor situation, if we actually, Lyle Taylor, you know, if we... Uh, <laughs> talk about Kylie Minogue, lie. <laughs> if we do a deal for Lyle Taylor, they're just really unhappy about that one. So at the moment now, we shall see the jury is very much out on what the situation is, but he's been rejected. So Brentford have got their irons and other fires. But I mean, does anyone out here want to uh, make any comment on the Lyle Taylor situation? Um, yeah, I've got a couple of very good friends of mine, uh, uh, Charlton season ticket holders, massive Charlton fans. Uh, they would go into chronic meltdown if Lyle Taylor was to move on from the um, from Charlton this transfer window. He was essential to their promotion campaign last season, and uh, yeah, he sounds like a, he sounds like he'd be a good signing for us. Maybe not a typical Brentford signing given his age and relative experience, but um, I, th- I I think he'd be a very good addition to the squad. But yeah, Charlton fans are in meltdown if if, about the prospects of him leaving. Yeah, what I've heard from my Charlton mate is that uh, he's very, very good with the youngsters. Um, he uh, really helped Carl and Grant um, last season uh, to get that move um, to Huddersfield. And, uh, you know, he just like arm around him all the time. Whenever he sort of missed, he really like, looked after him, really, really saw him through. But also just put a lot of the, the goals that ha- uh, Carl and Grant scored on a plate for him. So he's, he's, he, I think he's a good person to have around, especially as we've got quite a lot of youngsters um, around, you know, around the, the front end of the, the team. I think he could help a lot of those people. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people say, yeah, he's 29, you know, there's no sell-on, etc. But um, we do that every now and again. You know, we get, we get the experienced player in, like Bieland. Uh, Dalsgaard was 27 when we brought him. Pontus Janssen is 28. Did the occasional one, you know, when you, got, when you buy three 19-year-olds, you need a, an older head. And I think he, he could be uh, one that we are genuinely looking at. And, and interesting as well, because like I said, he's 29 years old and we say that he's not the type of Brentford player that Brentford was signed. But on the flip side of it, um, goal scorers are hard to come by. And if, you know, he's able to do his business in in, uh, in, in the championship, I mean, surely it's worth its, it's weight in gold. And the other thing I say, and I'm not sort of kind of trying to be too big time-ish and everything like that, but obviously things have shifted when it comes to finance and finances and how much you get for your money. And we're not saying that £3 million is nothing, but relatively £3 million to to pay for a goal scorer is, is relatively small money con- compared to the fact that you know goal scorers are really really hard to find and even if worst case scenario you had the situation where he was worth nothing in uh, in a year's time and we've gone up the Premier League surely the fact that he's contributed to the fact that you know we've got 150 million pounds is is much more important than you know getting an, an additional three million pounds maybe on a sell-on. It's a really important point you make there actually you don't want us to sound too big time and that's there is a kind of a tendency to get bowled along by some of these transfer fees. You know, we are, we're still pinching ourselves that Brentford have paid five and a half, then six million, then there's talk about seven and eight millions, and you know the the Persian guy being ten million, and it's a, a club's been transformed. This is the first this is the first transfer window where we seem to be uh, able to pay almost as much as the biggest bids we've had in the past for our players and that shows you that because we've, because we've um, been able to sort of sell our better players and, and kind of technically bank some of it that we are able to be big dealers in this, in this current climate and 
we are, what we're doing again though is we you know this is the, the Charlton lad if he were to join it does it doesn't seem again because he's a, that much older it doesn't seem to be a typical Brentford signing but as you say Bill if he can bring 15 20 goals to to Brentford that's, that's gold that's gold dust it is and also there's, there's a couple of interesting points here as well uh, I want to mention the fact that you know a lot of people say because he's quite old he's, he's burnt out and, he may, and he, he's not going to do it again um, the, the interesting from the stats out there apparently they're looking at Taylor and even though he's 29 they say that he performs like about a 24 year old and he's one of these ones who are kind of defying all the odds he performs like a 24 year old he's got bundles of energy he, he knows where the back of the net is he knows the game he's really experienced so for them they're just saying that you know to be quite honest with you, he actually could be a quite a good little buy because even though you're buying a 29 year old you're buying somebody who's sort of the 24 year old engine there's that as well and also the other thing I like to say is that um, Taylor's been around for a while like I said to you he was at AFC Wimbledon he helped him with their promotion campaign as well he went to Sheffield United didn't do too well there and then he's you know coming to his own when he was in Charlton but the, the little link with Brentford which goes back and I talked about this on the radio show on Monday he was actually the replacement for Farid El Alagui who signed to Brentford from Falkirk and he scored lots of goals for Falkirk buried we loved him when he came to Brentford and so Falkirk had to sign some young kids so they signed Kyle Taylor from uh, I can't remember who it was I don't know if it's Oxford or Northampton he signed him for somewhere from the UK and he went up there and then he scored he scored loads and loads of Lyle Lyle has <laughs> got loads of goals for them as soon as says Kyle I've got this whole Kyle thing going on but he's got loads of goals for uh, for Falkirk up there and then and after that he came down went to AFC Wimbledon um, and, 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 and oh, I think he went to Sheffield United then AFC but then he did his own thing so there is a link a very tenuous link between Charlton and Lyle Taylor, as we say. Other than that, we need to talk about the players that potentially are going out. There's an article out there, besotted.com, and I wrote a brief summary article this morning because there was just so much madness going on. I just had to put it down in writing just to, uh, just, to just so I could understand myself what was going on in the transfer market, who was coming in potentially and who was going out. And uh, the first person we need to talk about is Said Bremran because we always talked about Malpay. Uh, and he's always been there figured as a player going out. Saeed is also another player who's been figured as going out as well. The team that's always been um, revolving around him has been Aston Villa, and apparently they bid about 15 million for him. But Brentford have stood firm with Saeed Benrahma. Listen, he's only been here a year, and this is one of these scenarios where we say we're a selling club. It's like we're a selling club, but at a figure. You've only been here a year, mate. Not, not even two years like Malpay. So you've been here for a year, so you've got another probably, what, four years on your contract, plus we've got an, you know, an extension on that. You know, if, you, if someone's going to take you, we want the money that we want. So we want 25 for him. They've offered 15 for him. We're not having it. There's been a bit of a gulf and he's, you know, there's been all sorts of malarkey as to, you know, unhappiness, which is going on, which, uh, you know, you can sort of assume, you know, what that's all about. You know what I'm saying? You know, you do get unhappiness when sometimes you don't get your own way. Um, but Brentford has stood fair to it, firm, to be fair. And, you know, with the money that we got in the bank, we've been allowed to stand fair. And uh, the rumour is last Dean Smith stood in front of the Sky Sports cameras and said our business is done in other words they're not going to sign anyone else so that looks like that the Ben Rama move may be off if it is Aston Villa that is now whether or not he's calling a bluffer we're not the case also I got a little uh, a message from one of uh, our besotted little uh, chums as we say and he said he was talking to a football agent who'd been talking to uh, a few people and Ben Rama was talking about the fact that he thought that the move was on and the villa move was on but also he's been talking to other possibly to other people so this is all allegedly we don't know so we're gonna have to wait till five o'clock to see whether or not Ben Rama is still going to be a bees player 
there's a couple of comments on Twitter about this, and um, I think a couple, you know, the fans have said that if if we were to be able to keep Ben Rama, it's almost like another signing for us. I think a lot of people have assumed that he would just go. Um, I, I hope he stays. I hope, as, as you said, you know, he signed a long-term contract at Brentford a year ago. Uh, we, you know, if he was happy to sign that, he must be happy to at least give it until the next transfer window. If, if I were him and he can't get his dream move and if his agents keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, you know, it's, it's, leaving's inevitable at some stage, but I think he really should wait until January, if not this time next year, and prove he's worth that kind of money. Um, and, you know, I, I, Brentford need him, really. Uh, if, if, he, if he can produce the same kind of form as he did last season you know in his assists and his goal scoring he, he, he's really going to contribute so it would be sad to see him go but you don't want a disgruntled player it might it might take a few weeks for it to sink in but you know if he doesn't get his move I think he needs to you know pull his finger out and knuckle down and this what is interesting is and we'll talk about this in, a, in, in one of the next sections as well is that what Brentford are doing they've been planning ahead so listen Ben Rama if you're going to go we've been planning ahead so we've already brought in players who are potentially his replacements or they're going to work side by side at the moment now people like Brian from Troy who we'll talk about a little bit later so these players have come in and they're there and we're looking to gear them up in time so listen if Ben Rama is here this window it's only going to make us even stronger but if he's not, the good thing about it is that we've actually made the moves to make sure that we are we are covered. So, you know, Ben Rama, will he be here at five o'clock? We shall see. Like I said to you, we've got a couple of hours. We've got about an hour and uh, well, 10 minutes left you know, before that happens. And we've still got plenty to talk about on this podcast as well. Rico Henry. Now, this is an interesting one. Considering we've signed Dominic Thompson and, and they said, you know, Dominic Thompson is going to be giving Rico Henry a little bit of competition. But Rico Henry was linked with Celtic, even though Neil Lennon, went on record to say oh Rico Henry who never heard of him not after him but as they say there's no smoke without fire Rico Henry is a player that is liked by certain people Rico Henry do you think he's going to be here after the window Savvy B uh, yeah I think so um, don't know why um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just hopeful but uh, yeah I do genuinely think he's going to be here because I don't think the sniffing has been uh, enough, enough sniffing going on from, from Celtic um, and I don't think he'd want to go to Celtic, Celtic that much. I think he's he probably wants to get a really good season under his belt and then see what offers he's got available to him. As I said before, he's, he's injury prone. He's fragile. Um, it wouldn't I wouldn't lose sleep if he did go. If I'm honest with you, because I don't I don't think we're going to get a whole season out of him. Um, I don't think we're going to get a whole two seasons out of him. He's probably on his past track record. He's going to spend a, a good proportion of that on the on the treatment table. I hope that's not the case. I mean, you know, my God, you know, he's a, he's still a very young, very promising player, and you know he deserves um, you know a period in his career where he can just push on um, and not be kind of haunted by these you know these injury shadows. So. If he if he does stay, I only want him to stay if he's fit. It might sound brutal, but you know he might as well be sitting on their transfer um, on their medical bench um, and allow us to go and buy two players with what we get for him. Um, I think I disagree with you, Eleni. I think that um, having a uh, <laughs> I think ha- I can't remember the last time we had sort of two uh, two right backs and two left backs who could potentially be competing for those two starting berths. Um, we talked all the time about our left-back problems uh, with Rico Henry being quite fragile. Barbe sort of covering and playing there occasionally, despite the fact that he's not a natural out-and-out attacking sort of wing-back. Josh Clark playing there, even though it's on his wrong side. Moses Odebajo playing, even though it's on his, on its wrong side. It, it, 
I think having those two left back options in Thompson and Rico Henry, Thompson sounded like he might be a bit, little bit, a little bit fitter and a little have have a little bit more fitness in his bank. Um, so with Rico Henry's raw talent in terms of pace uh, and. Uh, everything else that goes with it I think having him there as the starting left back and then having such a good strong backup like Thompson there I think that's that's invaluable to me and that's why I, I I'm, say, I'm happy to see him I so. did say a fit Rico Henry I, did, I, I said there's a good chance if he stays he might be unfit in which case he might be unfit somewhere else yeah I think I, I think I agree I think there's a there's a danger if we let Rico go that we've got an untested left back and we were all anxious when uh, Moses left we were all anxious when Barbe left about what that meant what that would look like Um, and I guess we don't exactly know what kind of formation we're going to be playing next season Um, so maybe that will factor into stuff but I think I would just feel more confident if Rico was there for the beginning of the season and if he moves on in January that'd be sad because he's got some amazing potential and he's a really classy classy player but then we've had you know few months to to break Thompson in as it were and getting used to our system getting used to our players more players that may be leaving again you're listening to this going to be listening to this after five o'clock so when you listen to this you'll be thinking what are they talking about like you know but you've got to realize that this is like before the window has shut and we're looking at all the options all the possibilities all the permutations as they are Sergi Canos we only mentioned Sergi Canos because a little bid came in a little cheeky bid came in for Sergi Canos from Krasnodar FC Krasnodar, which is a Russian team, big Russian team to be fair. They finished third in the Russian Premier League last season. They've got a lot of money, and of course they've got a lot of money because they apparently bid 6.75 million for uh, Sergi Canos, um, which was rejected by Brentford FC. Now, interestingly, last season that's the same team that bid about 11 million pounds for uh, Pontus Janssen as well so like I said to you they got money that was rejected by Leeds United so uh, they keep getting rejected by sort of Leeds uh, Brentford linked teams so um, Sergio was linked there so, but we're just saying you know who says that you know somebody else might not be in for Sergio Canos as well and especially with the activity that's been going around and also the fact that you have to remember transfer window does shut at 5 o'clock today but also the European transfer window shuts later than this we can give you the dates a little bit later when we talk about our team but you know we're going all the way up to September the 2nd which is I think the Scottish window which is the latest window to shut I think the, the earliest window after this one is going to be the 18th of um, August I think that potentially might be the Italian window as well so but again doing the old research I'll come back to you on that one in a little bit so there's a potential that some of these players might go out so uh, Sergi Canos may go what do you reckon on this one Savvy B? Um, no I think it's a non-starter I think um he loves us and he's going to stay I, I don't want him to go um, I think he's still got a long way to go before he reaches the consistency of his first first spell at the club but since we changed formations and he, and he was able to you know to, to play that wing back role in five I think um, he's sort of come into his own and, and um, he had the whole pitch to run into uh, I think he's matured as a player in the last six months in particular I think he um, stands to offer Brentford loads and loads we're not we're not short of um, wide options but I think um, he knows us inside out and, and I think he's the kind of player that can really help bring the best out in other, other players and the new signings as well. Yeah, I think um, I agree with Dave. I think while Canos must know where he stands in the new sort of pecking order of um, uh, wingers, uh, I think the, the, the thing that Canos does is that when he comes off the bench, and maybe he doesn't want to be coming off the bench, but when he does come off the bench, he brings us a kind of energy and intensity that sometimes it feels like we lack with our bench players. And that, I think, is invaluable. OK, so Sergi Canos, like I said to you, the, room, the, the thoughts are around the table here is going to be here at the end of the, the window. 
Ollie Watkins, though, this is an interesting one because Ollie Watkins, there is quite, there's always a bit of interest around Ollie Watkins and uh, it doesn't seem to co- sort of come to fruition. People seem to quite like him, but maybe I don't know whether or not they're, they're quite unsure about him, whether or not our price is too high on him. Um, you know, the latest team to be an interesting Ollie Watkins was Crystal Palace, from what I can gather, and they were talking about bids of £12 million. Was there £15 million? I'm not sure if he got up to that because I think that maybe at £15 million he would have gone. But, you know, like I said to you, uh, Ollie Watkins... You know, the, the fact that, you know, he actually started against Birmingham City led us to believe that, you know, Ollie Watkins is going to be here because Brentford do not normally put a player on the pitch if there is an impending transfer. After what happened with Alan Judge and, uh, you know, the impending transfer with them and then he decided to come back and he played the game and he, and he, he got a broken leg and we lost a potential £6 million from Sheffield Wednesday from that transfer. You know, Brentford are quite cautious if you are an impending transfer situation so Ollie Watkins we thought was out but it's, it's a bonkers window so you never know and Ollie Watkins and you see all these other players are coming in you know maybe Brentford are doing the due diligence and bringing them in to make sure that maybe if Ollie goes in December or next year we're all covered Ollie will he be here at the end of the window yeah I think we know what he's worth I think we've we've probably decided that he's worth about 15 million and uh, no one else is, is is coming up for that um I, th- I think, I mean, he's, he's, he's a slight enigma because like, sometimes he looks absolutely brilliant. I mean, re- and things he still scores goals, even when he doesn't look brilliant, he scores goals. And he's, got, he's always got that something in his locker, that bit of pace, that turn, a fantastic shot. So uh, even though he's not Mr. Consistent, he's still, his stats must be brilliant, I reckon. Uh, might be a bit controversial, I think. Uh, Watkins, if, if you look at the three players, Canos, Watkins, Benrahma, uh, Watkins would be the player that I would miss the least. Um, I think there's times when he's probably peaked higher than players like Canos and Cameron Macacho and other sort of players that are quite influential on the team. But his inconsistency winds me up beyond belief. He's got all. He's clearly got all the attributes. He's um, he's sort of bolt up over pre-season. He's very very quick, very very strong, um, and he's obviously got some really good technique. Um, we've tried playing him down the middle. Uh, he doesn't seem to really work there. We've tried, and, and he's just so inconsistent in that sort of attacking role. Uh, alongside a striker I, I, he just he really frustrates me really frustrates me and I'd rather see Ben Rama stay over him just purely because of his ability on the ball and his ability to score goals and create goals and I'd rather see Canos stay over Watkins because I think Canos' heart is in it a bit more uh, whilst I appreciate Watkins um, as a, has, all, has a lot of skill and a lot to add to the team if he were to go I wouldn't be as gutted if I, if, as if Canos or Ben Rama was to go OK so we've talked about our potential transfer activity in the next 20, oh, the 24 hours and up to the window. Now what we're going to have to do is just have a little overlook on what's happening in the championship at the moment now because it affects us, it affects everybody to see what's going up, what's going down, what's going all around in the championship. So yes, we've talked about potential transfers for Brentford. We've got about 40 minutes to go, 45 minutes to go even, until the transfer window shuts very, very exciting. Quite quiet at the moment now. There must be all sorts of activity going on in some sort of hut somewhere down at Lionel Road or maybe at Griffin Park. But as we're going to sit here, tell you something, we've talked about the activity we've had at Brentford. But what we need to do is we need to have a little look around to see what everybody else is doing. Because it depends on what they're doing. It depends how strong or not so strong we might be against them. So we thought we'd have a little look at the transfer activity in and around the championship. Robin Hood, what's going down? A few deals caught my eye, Bill. Um, the first one is Massimo Luongo from our rivals QPR. Uh, he's moved to Sheffield Wednesday for £3 million. Um, speaking to a couple of my associates, shall we say, from QPR, uh, 
they are not happy about him moving. Uh, he, they would much rather that they'd spent the money that they spent on transfers incoming to give him a new contract. So uh, that leaves them a little bit light in midfield. Uh, but one big thing that happened today was uh, Charlie Austin. He's moved from Southampton to West, Brom, West Bromwich Albion on a two-year deal. Uh, 30 years old, so he's sort of in his prime of approaching the end of it. But he's an absolute goal machine, and a player like Romain Sawyer's in his side, in that side, will obviously feed him absolutely an absolute abundance of chances. Um, KTB spotted um, a deal uh, which was uh, Aaron Moy. He signed for uh, Brighton from Huddersfield. Uh, on a year-long loan but interestingly enough he's also uh, on the same day signed a new three-year deal with Huddersfield so I'm not entirely sure how that uh, deal is going to work out but it does lead, leave Huddersfield a little bit lighter in midfield um, and then going down we've also got uh, an interesting transfer at Leeds which is uh, Eddie Nketiah from Arsenal a young striker uh, he's just signed on a season-long loan deal uh, obviously to sort of fill the void left by Kamar Roof who moved to uh, and let, uh, a couple of days ago. Interesting that one. And Leeds fans were, well, Leeds mates were very happy with that. Actually, they felt that that's what they needed to to fill their squad. You know, Leeds do not have a big squad. Bielsa doesn't like a big squad. He likes it quite thin. So uh, actually, they just feel that's all the firepower they need. They were look very good against Bristol City. Um, they've got, um, you know, they've they bought in from Wolves as well. So they're looking, you know, they're looking quite strong. And I think they're very happy with what they've got. Yeah, I think. And so they sold obviously two of their most influential players from last season. Uh, we obviously we signed Pontus from them and Kamaru's moved on, uh, but they've re-signed Jack Harrison on loan and he's an absolutely outstanding player. I think having watched him play last season um, and I think obviously with uh, Nketiah signing on that sort of covers that bit. Um, I think it's I think they're going they could potentially be still be challenging and up there in the top half of the table and maybe even going for promotion. Um, a couple of other sort of deals that have been going on. Uh, Charlton have signed a couple of very highly rated players from West Brom, uh, Jonathan Lecco and Sam Field. Uh, both of them. Uh, come with very uh, high high references, and um, it looks like quite a shrewd couple of loan signings from uh, Charlton. There, they were apparently within touching distance of the West Brom first team. Uh, Stoke City have also brought in a couple of players on loan. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers from Tottenham Hotspur, centre back, come right back. He's apparently a very very good player. Uh, and Scott Hogan, our former striker, has also signed on loan there, so he joins Ryan Woods in the Brentford <laughs> um, Brentford reject pile. Uh, I think that's at Stoke City, is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's at Stoke City. So they both signed for Stoke City. I think um, I'm not entirely sure. And as far as I know, Stoke City had quite an abundance of strikers with players like Sam Vokes and Benica Phoebe. I don't know if either of them have moved on this window, but I think Hogan might still find his opportunities of a first team football a bit limited there. One thing that also struck um, caught my eye was last uh, yesterday Reading completed the signing of um, a chap called Pushkas. Uh, he's a 23-year-old Romanian striker from Inter Milan. Um, they smashed their um, transfer record, uh, signed for seven and a half million reportedly plus add-ons and it just seemed like the most un- it seemed like the complete opposite kind of signing that we do. Uh, sort of big name, big club. Um, and just for seven and a half million, I just think, why would you go to Reading? With all due respect to them. I mean, and again, we, we talk about that because obviously we've sort of changed the way that we do things. We've, you know, we've signed Pontus Janssen for relatively big money. We've actually put out big money out for players from other clubs. So it's all about timing as to when you do this. I think the question mark I have about this though is more about Reading and their finances because I thought they were in trouble. I thought they were in a massive pickle, and I thought FFP was a bit of an issue. They were spending a lot of money beforehand, and it didn't get them out of uh, of, of this league. So. I thought they had to cut back. So the fact that they're still finding seven million to sign players, and from what I can gather, they actually haven't sold that many players. So from us, at least, we're buying with money that we've got coming in. 
but they don't seem to be have that much money coming in and they're spending this money. So it seems like a bit of a kind of like, you know, everyone does it, which is good. They're investing, but, you know, slightly dangerous. Uh, yeah, I think dangerous. Uh, well, I'd, I'd use the word desperation. I think it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a buy to sort of try and g up the rest of the team. Um, whether or not it pays off, time will tell. But it just smacks a little bit of desperation to me. Um, and just another thing that caught my eye was that Carl Jenkinson, obviously massive Premiership experience, um, held in still held in relatively um, good terms with Arsenal fans. Uh, he's just signed for Nottingham Forest for reportedly just two million pounds, uh, which seems like quite a good value for money. And um, I think that's a very interesting signing as well. So, listen, Robin Hood, thanks for the uh, eyes of what's going around in and around the Championship. We'll be updating you because, like I said, you'll be coming home from work and hopefully you'll be listening to this or on in the morning. And this will give you a nice little roundup of what's happening not only at Brentford but around the Championship. So there'll be an update in the next 40 minutes as well. Got well, 35 minutes before the, the window shuts. So we're going to talk about a few other things. We need to talk about Brentford, first of all, and talk about the players that we have signed and talk about how he's going to shape our squad for the future. So this window is not quite over yet. We've got half an hour to go and it's a little bit quiet out there. There's obviously a lot of negotiation taking place. Like I said to you, some deals have talked about falling through. Hoddis is, uh, has talked about falling through, but then all of a sudden it's come back and other people say it's on. No one really knows what's happening because obviously the people who are negotiating, they were going to be negotiating to the very last minute in some hut somewhere or a hotel somewhere or on a pitch somewhere. Porter cabin somewhere. Um, they're going to be doing that till, till five o'clock. Chodis uh, is not going to be going anywhere else negotiating at this stage. You know, he's not going to be flying over to, you know, to to, to Rheim or anywhere like that to try and negotiate now because it's a little bit late in the day. And like I said to you, obviously, he needs to make a little move. So I could believe that there's a negotiation taking place at this very moment in time. There's also a rumour coming out from South East London saying that, you know, another late bid is going to go in for Kyle, stroke Lyle, Taylor (laughs) (laughs) as well. One of the two, you know, but maybe, I'll tell you something, it'll be like Graham Souness, you know, who signed the wrong player. (laughs) So we'll actually end up getting Kyle Taylor and we go, oh no, he fluffed it. So um, there's a rumours going on. So let's just see what's going to happen. But listen, let's let's forget about that for a little moment now. If any news comes through, we'll kind of ping it straight through on our transfer deadline podcast. But we'll talk about the players that we do know about. Brentford has signed quite a fair few players and quite a few have left. So let's have a look at what we've got coming in. Savvy B, you've been just looking at the the facts and figures there, haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've got a spreadsheet going. And uh, and, and of the uh, the 10 players that we've brought in so far, uh, I'm including uh, Dervish Alu with that. Um, so they have cost us £28 million. £28 million for 10 players. But the, the thing I like is that the average age of those 10 players is under 23. Uh, and when you look at the 12 players that have gone out, uh, their average age was 25. Sorry, I'm sorry, these 12 players have gone out. You're talking about including from the last window as well, though, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about 2019, so I'm including Woods, Meppham and Yanaris because they're very important because they brought us £23 million in before we'd even started this window. So that's really important, I think, um, to, to include that because we didn't buy anyone in January, so it was purely just getting those coffers nice, nice and full. So we have our squad. Basically, we've swapped uh, 10 players in for 12 players out and we've, uh, the average age has gone down just over two years. So I think that is, that is the Benford way. And also we've got, and we've got a surplus of how many million? Uh, a surplus of uh, 61 million minus 28 is 33 million. 
33 million surplus, which we <laughs> which we may or may not tuck into. We might, you know, spend about 10 million of that, you know, which still goes to show you that we're operating. And this is what we talk about. We're still operating in the black. Um, and this is what has always alluded to Brentford down down the years. They kept saying, when we get to the stage where we start to break even, start to make a little bit of money on players, we'll we start playing money, uh, spending money on players. But as long as we're not spending beyond our means. So let's have a look at exactly who we've brought in. I mean, like I said to you, you know, any, any players out here who have, uh, you know, who you think has been a great little deal? I mean, we've seen them play so far. I mean, Savvy. Out of those that I've seen, I very much like uh, Ethan Pinnock. I think he's just a very calm, calm, sore player, just very, very comfortable on the ball. So Ethan Pinnock, 26 years old, centre-back, signed from Barnsley. Initially he came for Forest Green Rovers and before that he was at Dulwich Hamlet as well. He's come through the ranks, £3 million he cost us. Barnsley fans were gutted when he left, but then afterwards the two players that come into Barnsley did very well on Saturday against Fulham. So it looks like it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind if Barnsley win out of it. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, I think he's, he's a good player. The one that uh, struck me on, um, on Saturday was uh, Matthias Jensen. He just looks so class. The way he was pinging that ball about was lovely. And I mean, really, really accurate. Just, just beautiful football. And uh, I, I think at uh, 23 years old, uh, 3.3 million, I think he was, um, I think I think he just looks absolutely class. So that's Matthias Jensen. We got him from Celta Vigo. He actually played for um, it wasn't Norgeland. It was yeah Norgeland actually in, in Denmark before that. He played with um, he played with uh, um, Mark Hondis out there, and he was the playmaker for him. Set up a lot of his goals. Um, he was brilliant in Denmark. They thought he's one of the top players. But then when he went to Spain, he couldn't get a game. He was injured a little bit, and also there's so many players there he couldn't fit in. So. He's got his chance again with Brentford and he was looking looking very good as well. Um, interesting player in that lot as well, Christian Norgard as well, because we've been looking out for a defensive midfielder for a while. A person who's going to be able to sit in that little hole, he's going to be able to be, you know, he's going to be able to tackle, break down the attacks and also play the ball out there as well. He's an interesting player because the reason why he's interesting is because he used to be an attacking midfielder. We spoke to somebody a couple of weeks ago on our podcast. He said he was a great attacking midfielder, but then we put him back to defensive midfielder, so he's able to pass the ball as well as break up play. Norgard, we missed him against Birmingham City, and hopefully, like he said to you, he's going to be a very key player for us, isn't he? Yeah, he's another one of those that comes with a huge kind of potential reputation. He's, he's, he's done well at, the, at his club before last, and it looks like hopefully we can, uh, you know, with the connections with Thomas Frank and, as you say, with um, Emiliano Macondes, he can have a bit of familiarity um, and, and he'd be able to settle in quite quickly. Um, in terms of what's stood out for me so far in, in, in the players that have come in, I guess my focus has been defence because defence was where it was our Achilles heel. It has been our Achilles heel. We've, we've looked great coming forward for the last couple of years um, and we've had, we've had goal scorers in, you know, in, in Lasse Vibe and then um, Neil Morpé. So, so the, 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 you know, the XG or the, the attacking, the, 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 the offensive areas is less of a concern than it was about giving away silly goals. Um, although we lost 1-0 and uh, you know, it was probably, te- in, in, in inverted commas, the unfairest result of all time, um, we lost 1-0 again. So some things don't change. We have a lot of possession. We create a lot of chances. We, if we're unlucky and the other team are lucky, we lose. So it, it was some, some somewhat of a deja vu feeling after the game on, on Saturday. So to see how Pinnock, um, to see how David Rea, um, to see how Pontus Janssen... Um, um, change, change that. Um, that's that's paramount. That, that, starting from the back and, and, and 
and um, sort of eradicating that that problem was all important to me. At the moment, like most people, I'm still trying to get my head round how we're going to use all the attacking options that have come in. Um, I'm assuming at this stage Ben Rahm is staying. Um, so, you know, that we have we have an embarrassment of, of riches, and it's now for the DOFs and Thomas Frank to to get a consistent winning team out of this. And of course, we spent a lot of money. But now we need we need that investment to actually turn into a promotion push. So you know I'm excited, um, but I'm not sure what he does going into the Middlesbrough game on Saturday. You know he's got a lot of people there that really don't know each other's names, let alone let alone sort of fitting into a system. So you know as a fan, I'm I'm excited and confused. Um, as a as a head coach, uh, I would hopefully he's just excited. So we'll we'll see. Watch this space. Um, yeah, I completely back up what um, Savvy and Dave just said. Um, I'm really excited by Matthias Jensen. Just watching him on um, Saturday, I saw sort of glimpses of a few of my favourite players from days gone by. Sort of uh, what I really liked was that sort of almost Woods-esque thing that he had, which was pick up the ball, distribute, follow the pass, show for it again, constantly wanting the ball, constantly keeping the game moving. Um, and uh, his, yeah, like I say, his distribution was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm all, I also like the replacements we've made in defence. Um, I think Concert and Mepham were the two players that we were sort of looking to replace, I think. Um, and we've got two very, very different centre-halves in in Pinnock and Janssen. Um, I think what we've brought in are two players that aren't going to make as many mistakes. They're probably not as technically gifted footballers, you know, with the ball to feet as Mepham and Concer were. But I think that they're going to be a bit more disciplined and I think they're going to be a bit more, uh, a bit better at, st- at cutting out those silly mistakes. Uh, another player that I'm really, really excited by just from the buzz around him is um, Brian Wemo from Brian from Troy, as we're calling him. Um, just the, the buzz that he's come with, the fee that we've paid for him. Um, he's 19, he can grow. Uh, I think him uh, in playing the same team as the likes of. Ben Rama, Watkins, Canos, Valencia, Marcondes, Jensen. It's just a re- it's it's really mouthwatering prospect. Yeah, I think um, we've got a nice problem, haven't we, in terms of like how we play all these people, how we balance the side, how they fit into whatever formation we might find ourselves wanting to play. Um, it, it's super exciting, and there's a lot to look forward to. But there's still just that anxiety about a striker, right? Um, there's still just that worry. There's still just that kind of anticipation of what's going to happen. Um, because I know that we keep saying we've got a number of players who can play across the front three, and we hear that so often, don't we? Like, you know, um, Watkins can play across the front three, Canos can play across the front three. But actually, one of the reasons that Mope was so brilliant in the system that we play is that he was a striker, that he was a poacher, that he knew where the goal was, that he was hungry for that kind of stuff in a, in a way that like, Watkins just never looks like that when he plays in that position. And not to knock him, but like, we need a. We need a Watkins isn't a replacement. We need a proper, proper striker. Just, just want to back up what Katie just said. Then you know you're right. We we are used to hearing that term. He can play anywhere across the front three. What we need to replace more pay with more pay with is someone who can't play anywhere else apart from <laughs> apart from number nine, yeah. and he scores bags of goals. That's that's yeah. what we want. Versatility is all well and good, but not not as your your main striker. You just want someone to be you know absolutely clinical and you know obviously get back and defend if he can and get back and backtrack, put in a shift. But you know if if, if he's if he's if he excels in in anything, it has to be scoring goals. Yeah, I think uh, out of the half the half of the ten players that we just brought in, we haven't seen yet. And uh, I know there's a lot of buzz around uh, and Waymo and uh, some of the others, but the the I thought um, what um, 
what Thomas Frank and uh, the, the Doffs were saying about uh, Valencia just really excited me. He looks like a fantastically exciting player. I think he might be my new Neil Smiley. And this is, and this is Joel, <laughs> Joel Valencia, 24 years old. He's a winger. He played for Pastritz as well, which Levice. is the Poligrici. Uh, yeah, yeah, as well. I was just putting a little list on that one. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he plays for the Polish, the Polish champions as well. You know, they, they, they knocked out Warsaw last season. So they were there. Again, a very Brentford-esque side in the fact that they were tiny, but they actually took everybody out and they won the league last year. He was the Polish Player of the Year. So very excited with Joel Valencia. Uh, Valencia. You, you, you meant Warsaw, not not Brentford's feeder club from the West Midlands. Uh, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about as well. Um, but so, so Joel Melenthia as well, very exciting player, and uh, Savage so exciting. I'm excited about him as well. But I'm going back to Brian from uh, Troy or Troy as well, <laughs> who is uh, Brian Boemo as well, 20 year old. Uh, well, he's a winger from Troyes. Well, let's say he's a winger, but again, he's one of these players again who plays across the middle. So he can play in the he can play in the wings, he can play in the centre. Um, he's a, he's an all-round forward. And like I said, when you're spending your money on these players now, you like to have a little bit of versatility. Um, I've been contacting lots of fans from all over the world at the moment now, trying to talk to them about potential players that are signing. And I have to admit, the Troyes fans are the ones who have been really unhappy. And uh, I've got nothing out of them at all because they've been really unhappy that we've taken Brian from Troyes away from them. They said he's an absolutely brilliant player. A lot of money that we paid for him, um, £6 million, um, or maybe possibly even £7 million, pounds, so £6 million pounds that we paid for him. There was a lot of interest in him. And also, like I said to you, we've explained this before, it was a bit of a punt. We said, look, we like this player, we scout and we put some money in for him, but Southampton bid for him, I think it was like earlier this year, and he turned them down because he didn't want to go abroad. And you sort of think, well, if Southampton, if he ain't going to go, this is a Premier League move, and he's turned that down. And also there was, um, I think, Mar, uh, Schalke, they are bidding for him as well, and Borussia Mönchengladbach, they're also linked with him as well. Montpellier and Strasbourg also put in bids for about three million. I mean, we blew them all out of the water. Um, as you can see, the, the, the strength of the of, of the English league as well there when it comes to financial stuff, when you need to do that kind of stuff there, and you can see why players move out of France into the UK and all these other places. So, you know, we bid six million, we got him. Um, he would have loved to have stayed in France, and these are good clubs to play for, but in the end, you know, he's come up and, 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 and we bid for him. Do you know that um, Troyes, Troyes, is um, the Champagne region? It is. Well, hopefully, like, you know, we, we could say at the end Swats of the... It, uh, it for a bit of yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it for a bit of pride. Hopefully, at the end of the season, he'll be shipping them over, as we say, like, you know. So, an interesting... I think Sky have actually named him as one of the top 10 um, players to look out for um, in this transfer window here as well, who have been signed from out of the UK, so not signed from a UK club, um, but signed uh, uh, players from Europe coming into the UK as well. Robin? Um, one, th- one player that we haven't really, I think Laney mentioned his name earlier, uh, it's David Raya, goalkeeper. What I think is interesting is, uh, when, da- when Daniel Bentley left, there was a lot of talk, I think we must have talked about for hours about who was going to be his replacement, were we going to put the trust in Gunnison uh, and or um, Ellery Balkan, was Daniel's going to step up? But David Rye's come in, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the fact that we've sort of stopped talking about him. Maybe it's because the signings of players like Janssen and Mbuemo and Valencia have sort of taken <coughs> taken over the sort of the news articles. But I'm really excited for the um, to have a, a new goalkeeper in, and here's, to, here's hoping that he does well. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, this is this is quarter two, ten two, ten two, or quarter to five as well. And news has actually just come in that Brentford actually got a new number ten. 
They've actually got a new number 10 actually going to be um, signed up for Brentford, actually. Well, you know, he's moved to the num- number 10 shirt. And uh, very, very exciting news as the number 10 for Brentford, Said Benrama, has just Yay! announced. <laughs> he has just announced that he is playing for Brentford. Come on, you bees, he said. He shows him in that number 10 shirt. Said Benrama has got all that nonsense behind him and he has decided that the only team to play for is the mighty TVs. UVs. And so he is there. So this is a bit of good news. At the end of the day, if we just lose one player out that window and it's Neil Malpate, sad for him to go, but that'll be absolutely teething tremendous, as they say. Yeah, Laney literally said earlier on that if Ben Rama stays, it will feel like a new signing. And just that news, given the fact that we've you know spent the past 30 minutes wondering, OK, who's, is got us on, is got us not on, um, that does feel like a new signing. I think that's terrific news. It is, it is indeed. And like I said, we're looking at these ins and outs. And to be quite honest with you, I don't want to go into a negative zone and start looking at the outs because the outs, they've gone now. Like I said to you, Sav says they bought us in 61 million. You know, we play respects to the players like, you know, Woods and Mepham, Yanaris, Bonham, Barbe, McLeod, McKittrin, Moses, Odebaju, Bentley, Konza, Sawyers and Malpay. We pay respect to all you lot. You play for Brentford. You did your part. And listen, we loved you guys when you were here. But now you have moved on. We are the new age Brentford now. We've got to concentrate on the players who have decided to stay with us. They're going to actually take us to that next level. We've got a new stadium coming in a year's time as well. This is our last season at Griffin Park. And we want it to be a fun season. So listen, let's talk about these players. Let's talk about what's going on. But it's 10 minutes to go till that transfer window shuts. And Surely there's still activity. We're going to go and have another quick pint and have a little sniff around to see if there's any activity. Because other than this new number 10 that we've signed, Ben Rama, it's all still a little bit kind of cloak and dagger out there. So it's five o'clock, it's gone. Bang, the transfer window has shut. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because it's all got a bit, you know, it's all frantic the last few days and it's all got a little bit quiet at the back end. And from what we can gather, as you've heard in this podcast earlier, we were saying that it felt like, oh God, oh sorry, Iranian striker, our Persian striker, it looked like it wasn't going to be happening. Our forward, it wasn't going to be happening. Something went a bit horribly wrong there. We're still trying to ascertain exactly what the situation is there with him. So hopefully we'll have this before the end of that podcast as well. The old uh, Persian rug's been pulled from underneath us, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. We've been rugged right out, actually, you know, the rug rats. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, you know, there's, there's been some good action this window. Um, the question we have is that, obviously, a striker was very, very important for us, and we did actually... Uh, we, we did hang our <laughs> did hang our hat on that one, you know. We went as far as actually we spoke to a number of Persian fans who have actually recorded all sorts of interviews for us, talking about their striker. We've talked to fans from Amiens as well, as well, who's given their views. Even gone over to to Sweden, spoke to some Swedish fans about that. So you know, it's a little bit of a shame that this one doesn't look like it's going to happen. But maybe before the end of this podcast, we'd be able to actually let you know exactly the reason why the transfer broke down. What we do know is back, 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 um, bit of information back in the day. Last season, actually, Hodos, um, he was actually lined up for a move to Spain, and he actually even got to a situation where he had the photograph taken with the shirt, and it was all put out there. And all of a sudden, is that agent actually just changed his mind at the last minute? So um, allegedly, there may be a little bit of agent interference there from Hodos, and it's caused us a few problems. Anyway. He's not a B, so let's not talk about him anymore until we find out more information. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about players who want to play for Brentford as well. There's another player, like I said, who we have signed. Um, who is our, our, our Dutch-Turkish player, Savi? That is uh, Halil uh, Dervishoglu. 
Dervish Dervish Oglu. Halil Dervish Oglu. So he has. Um, it's gone out there, and uh, it's been a, a statement that's been put out by Sparta Rotterdam, who have said that you know they're very pleased that this player has actually signed for Brentford, and he will be signed to them to 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 to, to come to us in January. 2020. So the situation is at the moment now that we've got a striker coming to us in January. However, we've got a striker that hasn't come to us now that we thought he might be. So we're sitting there thinking, all right, okay, is there any way that we can have a reverse situation here? We talked about it a little bit earlier on the podcast. We had a, we had an arrangement with uh, Oldham that Tarki was going to be coming to us six months later, and then something happened, and then we pulled him earlier. So listen, we're going to keep our fingers crossed here that maybe we may have a situation where we've got a striker. Um, maybe coming in a little bit earlier but again this is nothing confirmed this is us discussing this around the table about possibilities about how this striker situation may be solved but look it's been a very good window for the bees so you know why are you know we're not being negative here at all but listen let's just go around the table here as well and let's just reflect on the Brentford transfer window I mean there's a little tweet that's gone out there we've asked you to actually give your thoughts and you know what are your thoughts on the summer's transfer activity and the window shut and like I said to you we'll read out a few of these thoughts here as well but Laney first of all I'll go around the table here to see what your thoughts are on the transfer window Laney um, kind of stunned it's a huge sigh of relief that that it would appear that we've kept hold of Ben Rama and Watkins. I think we all expected or resigned ourselves to losing one of those two, if not both. Um, so we we really have just lost um, Neil Morpé, which is still a blow because at this second it doesn't you know there's no clarity in whether we've got a, a natural number nine to be to be replacing him. So once that's been confirmed, we'll know exactly where we are. It's probably going to be this time tomorrow. Where I'm feeling is it's, it's been an incredible window. Brentford Football Club has come of age. We've grown up. We've, uh, we've spent more money and we've taken in more money than we've ever done in our history. This is, this is a transformation of our football club. And it's very, very difficult to kind of make sense of it sometimes, especially when, you know, I, I, made, I made a joke earlier about signing players from Dagenham. We, we seem to be we seem to be moving into a completely different dimension to where we have been, and it's been hard to keep up. If I'm honest with you, so thanks to Sarah for for her brilliant work on on on, on her Twitter detective work, and um, and and the, you know certain sources from here there and everywhere that has kept us kind of uh, keep our finger on the pulse um, right up to the last minute, and. Brentford have, have spent sort of six, six and seven million pounds on players. I never, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, and we've done it in a in a sustainable way, as, as Sav explained a little bit earlier, which is a massive relief. None of us want to see us spending beyond our means. No, none of us want to see us hemorrhaging money on, on on players that don't stack up and risking everything on 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 the sort of the holy grail of the Premier League. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm mightily impressed with the way we've done our business. Massive question mark, obviously still over who plays that number nine role. See inside Ben Rama on his Instagram feed wearing the number ten shirt is a huge shot in the arm for all of us. The, our, our Twitter feed has gone absolutely crazy. It's been it's been the biggest, most frantic day in besides Twitter history. Um, the podcast that will come out in a minute is going to be well listened to, and I hope you can understand that we were kind of, you know, we were riding the riding that wave as as we went along. So, so yeah, it's been a hugely enjoyable transfer window, and we definitely come out of this far stronger as a squad, but with a with a question marker who plays at the top. 
And uh, just coming back to this as well, just quickly, because obviously, like I said to you, it is five o'clock, or just gone five o'clock, but news starts to come in slowly about what happened and what didn't happen. Obviously, we were trying to get a striker. Lyle Taylor is another player who we talked about beforehand who we've been trying to get in at Brentford. And like I said, the rumours are going in that minutes before the window closed, Brentford put in a bid of £4 million for Lyle Taylor, and that was rejected by Charlton, and that was the last hopes it is. So again, so unfortunately, you know, we get, we've, we've, we've had Hodor as well from... From, uh, from Sweden as well, from Amiens as well, which didn't happen as well. And we've got Lyle Taylor as well. We were trying hard to get the players over the line and that did not happen as well, obviously. So that is a situation which is uh, probably a little bit disappointing or massively disappointing for Brentford. But listen, as we say, we go again. Savvy B, this transfer window for you, how is it? Uh, I think yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. We've got a much more solid back line now, I think. And uh, the, although we've lost, you know, the the wonderful Sawyers from midfield, we've got some lovely-looking midfielders come in to replace him. So uh, I think, like for like, we've we've improved at the back, in the middle, and there's just that little question mark over over the uh, the front because we have lost Mope. I think having um, Ben Rama stick with us and you know in in, in a good bubbly mood uh, should be a real bonus for us um, i think i think that's that's going to see us through and it's just a matter of uh, whether whether uh, Oglu, sorry is uh, is willing to start with us now where maybe that helps or maybe Watkins can actually turn up because as, as i said all the way along Watkins scores goals for us and he's a bloody good quality player so if we if we can keep him and just ticking those little goals over much more solid backline we, we could have a great year. Okay, interesting you say that. We're reading out a few of the, the, the comments as well from uh, from fans out there. Ian Westbrook, he's a besotted contributor as well. Every week, Ian does a wicked, wicked preview of every single home match as well. He said Jensen, Jansen and Pinnock look very good against Birmingham, but I do think we've missed a trick in not getting Malpay's replacement before he left as he did with Sawyers, as we did with Sawyers. I'd give Marcus Force a go. If we want to prove long-term there's a path from the B team for the first team, this is his moment. Ali Malali is also a contributor. She comes on this podcast as well. She says, so would I. So basically, there's people saying, because you're saying Ollie Watkins should be up front, but we actually got people actually flying the flag for Marcus Force, saying this is your opportunity, Force. You are lively. You're actually, you know, you can actually kind of take, you can make this your own, I think, which is quite an interesting scenario there, Laney. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, Marcus Force has been around the around the first team for a, this is his second year really he was promoted into the first team um, at the start of last season um, he got injured at Blackburn so we, we didn't really when Morpay was uh, suspended after the uh, the stamp at Aston Villa so Force is is certainly a player that is highly rated, and yeah, you can argue that. I, I, I don't. I don't. There's no right or wrong here. I think it, we, we're going to experiment experiment with both of those. Whenever I've seen Watkins play um, up top on his own, he, he's not been as good as we would have hoped. So, um, and Marcus Force has scored goals for Brentford already. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It, be, it would be better if we had a proven one, but you know, maybe sometimes that's not our style. More comments here. Gary B's 10, which is Gary BFC. We've had a very good transfer window. Just a shame about the striker situation, but keeping Saeed is an absolute bonus. He says, then Cod Liveroyal B. It says, Force will do a mepham and become insane out of nowhere. I hope. So, you know, so you got there. People are actually giving Force the props out there as well. And to be fair, like I said to you, Force, I, I, don't, I don't want him to have too much pressure on his head. You know, but at the end of the day, Listen, this is how you respond. If you respond to pressure really well, that's how you make a name. Kate? Forced to go bonkers then, is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
if I put my positive pants on, what I think is that now maybe what we've got ourselves is a sort of two-tier system where we can stick Force up front as a number nine, play like we did with Morpay, albeit with Force, he's not yet proven at this level, but we know can possibly step up, we hope can possibly step up, we believe he can. And then maybe we've got uh, a front three who can play in a sort of fluid, interchanging way. And I know I earlier on in the podcast was a little bit disparaging about playing across the front um, but maybe that gives us two systems that we can play with a fluid front free and a more sort of structured front free um, and maybe that gives us a plan b which sometimes we've talked about Brentford not having so maybe there's a positive there but just just coming back to this I mean I'm just thinking about this Lyle Taylor I mean the, the bid rejected within minutes of the transfer deadline I mean what does that say to you Robin um, well, I suppose the, the the cynic would say that it was a bit of a desperation bid, but it's a player that we've been looking at for allegedly for a long time. So I wouldn't call it desperation. I think um, yeah, it's clear that we haven't got a striker that we we haven't got the striker this window that we wanted. Um, and hopefully, some point down the line, Force um, does sort of step step up his game even further than he has, and he's been developing fantastically uh, and does take on the mantle that uh, has been left by Neil Mulpay. But just looking at the striking, the attacking options around that number nine role, the players like Valencia, Watkins, Benrahma, Canos, Marcondes, Buemo, there's lots of players there that can pick up the slack of the goal scoring that uh, has been left, or the gap that's been left by Malpe. Messages coming in, David Owen, three rhythms. Brilliant, yet at the same time like buying a Ferrari and losing the car keys. No natural number nine is a mistake. I massively want us to show faith in Marcus Force. Think he's ready? Frank and maybe Pontus can mentor him. Maybe Malpe's replacement is right under our nose. And from what I've seen, Force, and this is QB as well, from what I've seen, Force is a better number nine than the others. Open brackets, Valencia and Mbuemo, Brian from Troy. Um, i tell you something as well. I'm very excited about Brian from Troy because the one thing is that it's been nearly 30 years but you'll be able to sing that song. It's going to be Iron Like a Lion. It's so this Godos situation, like I said, you we need to just you know just just put ourselves to rest on that. You know, it's like kind of like you know the cobwebs, you know, putting the skeletons in the cupboard. Um, so apparently, as we talked about, Godos, he apparently had signed for the Spanish club. I think it's called Huesca, which is in the Spanish second division. And he had pictures of him holding up the shirt and he had signed everything like that. He's gone on to sign for MEN. Now that the deal for Brentford's happening, apparently Huesca is absolutely kicking off a massive fuss. And it looks like that FIFA are investigating the scenario. It's up in the air. He may even be banned from football altogether. So as a result of that, Brentford pulled out the deal. So unfortunately, it's not happening, which is a real shame. But these things happen. His agents, and I'm not going to talk because obviously I don't want to, I don't know anything about them, but uh, allegedly a little bit of shadiness has gone on. And if this is the case, obviously, that is the scenario. Listen, a few other comments out there. Simon Yatre. Bloody ridiculously crazy. Feels like a Hollywood film. Moneyball 2 as well. David Manley, interesting. Great window, but no striker criminal. Hope we have enough to stay away from danger. So the fact that we haven't got one player means that Listen, all opinions out there, which is interesting as well. But, you know, personally, I don't think that we're a... I mean, I think we've got a brilliant squad out there. And I don't think that, you know, looking at other teams out there from, you know, your Wiggins and, you know, other like that, I don't think we're going to be in any relegation danger. I think that people are, you know, looking at us trying to push, you know, pushing at 10th again, like, you know, as per usual. Um, ben Rama's now the number 10 
So do we think he'll be behind the striker or out wide? It'll make sense with the acquisition of Valencia, Buemo, plus keeping Watkins and Canos. And that's Gideon Gale as well. Um, Robin Hood. Um, I just thought, looking at the squad that we ended the last um, transfer window with in 2018, the summer transfer window, and what we have now, I think this, this transfer window for me has been a seri- uh, about evolution. Um, if you think about it relatively, past few transfer windows, we've been selling players for 10, 15 million and buying players for three. Uh, this uh, transfer window, we sold player, uh, sold a player for 20 million and bought one for seven. So relatively, I don't think we've uh, get we've overstepped our spending budget or out or you know spent overspent on players. I think it's really, really been about stepping up our game in the transfer market, going, taking a few more punts and a few more risks on players like Pontus Janssen and Brian Mbuemo. Um, and I think they're all calculated risks. The the lack of a number nine is a bit of a concern, or the lack of a recognised out-and-out number nine is a bit of a concern. But as I said earlier, I think we have the strength and depth of players who can play that role, who will pick up the slack um, of those goal sco- of, of goal scoring, basically. Um, uh, there, there, I mean, there's a, there is an argument to say that Halil potentially is as. Uh, as the same as when Malpe came in, because he wasn't a recognised number nine. He was uh, he was playing for Brest in the second division of France, and he was banging a few goals here and there. But he wasn't a recognised striker at all. So, you know, you've got to basically say instead of us going back to having a striker, which is wow, we put money in them because we think they're going to score. We've actually gone back to the the good old fashioned Brentford. Let's pick up somebody and let's fingers crossed that we can actually get them up to speed. A few more uh, comments out there. There's there's a couple of comments which are which are slightly different. You know, uh, polar opposites to each other. David Cochan said, so whoever is in charge of transfers should answer some questions. This is not the first or second or third time it's happened, so should the board, so should the board, but they won't. So basically he's saying that the board are, they should be pulled up on the fact that we haven't signed a striker. But on the other hand, Dino Gatto has said, excellent, well done, the DOFs. And uh, let's talk, who else is down there as well? Marmy, um, Marmy Todd, done some great deals, always worrying if you have no natural number nine, if that's how it finishes. But anyone saying that we didn't, we get one clearly, has no understanding of contract negotiations. You can try, but things don't always go your way. Doug Collins, let's face it, we have some seriously good attacking players now. They will be creating loads of chances. There is an excellent opportunity for Force to step up. And there's one thing, I suppose, there from that is uh, we talked about this before. We are always concentrating on our goals coming from a striker. But we need to get having goals coming from different positions. And fingers crossed these players that we've brought in, you know, Mbuemo, you know, your Valencias, you know, Benramas. Hopefully, if they start scoring their goals, it takes the pressure off a number nine actually being the person who knocks all the balls in the back of the net. I mentioned this before at the radio show. My view is I thought about this. When I saw how many players we were signing, I'm thinking, actually, maybe we're not going for it this season. What we're doing is that we're building in players who are all on the same length of contract this season. So we're bringing in 10, 11, 12 players, whatever it may be, at this time. So they're all in the same length of contract. So we don't have another summer where we're actually going, oh, no, is he going to leave? Is he going to leave? He's going to leave. After one year, we know that we're going to keep the players. So I'm thinking that we're actually building these players. If we go up, it's a bonus. But really, we're actually looking to build a team who plays together for a season. Then the following season, our first season in Lionel Road is the one that we look to going up. But that's that's the Billy B theory. Anyway, anybody else? Listen, run around. KTB. This window. I feel sad about the lack of a striker, but I think I probably would feel less sad if we hadn't had this excitement, like all of this, all these people bubbling away, all these plates spinning. You know, it makes you feel, you know, your anticipation builds up, doesn't it? And then it sort of drifts off, and that feels a bit sad. But as we've said repeatedly over the podcast, 
today. Um, we've strengthened, we've got some super exciting players in, we've got massive depth in some positions, we've got some players who, you know, it'd be great to see on the pitch, it'll be great to see them develop, it'll be great to see them learn to play together. And it also sounds like even if we don't have a number nine right now, we've still got, you know, plate spinning as it were. So fundamentally, still got my positive pants on. More, more, more replies out there from people. Billy Ross said, great window. That's it, banks, great window. TC on Brentford, any window where you sell your best player and don't sufficiently replace him is a bad window. But then you've got the official moan who says, ha, a bad window would have been getting raped by the agent's greed. Again, that is a figurative term that he used. Good on Brentford for sticking two fingers up to the greedy bastard. We've got a decent squad. We'll recruit in January. We'll finish the season in the playoffs. So a bit of positive, bit of negative going on there, but it's interesting, a little bit of interaction and two different views there. Callum, BFC, best transfer window I've ever witnessed, even if we don't get a striker before 7pm. Jamie Wayne's an incredible window, considering at one point it looked like Malpeo, Ben Rahman, Watkins are off. I'm amazed at the quality now having our squad, and that's Jamie Mason as well. You know, and Joe McGinn, if there's no striker announced, like being blue balls as well. You know, so uh, and Graham Bradley, good business. Would like to know the sales versus buys and how much we're in profit this window. Player budget sorted. So Savvy B has done that. So if you have flipped forward to this, just listen back to the podcast. We've done the uh, the balance sheet. And we know how much we are in the black in this window now. And, uh, yeah, which is all good. Listen, around the, around the table here as well, like I said, we're sitting in our pints here. It's a lovely, lovely evening. I'm feeling quite relaxed, the fact that, you know, we have got a squad which is intact, which has got Malpay on the team. Uh, OK, we didn't get our striker in. I'm gutted that we didn't get, um, you know, Godot from, uh, from, from, from Amiens, you know, from Amiens. But, hey, these are the things that happen. But, listen, guys, I'm just thinking... We're going to sign off now so we can get this podcast up before six o'clock because we promised everyone to get this podcast up at six o'clock. Like I said to you, it looks like, like I said to you, the strikers are coming. A lot of people are waiting until seven o'clock, but it looks like the strikers that we were looking to get, your Carlies, your, 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 your Godots and stuff like that, are not going to be coming in. Now, whether or not Halil actually becomes a Brentford striker within the next hour or so so that he actually comes in um, a little bit earlier than has been reported by the Sparta Rotterdam people. Um, that will be seen after this podcast up. So check out Brentford uh, Twitter, check out Besotted Twitter, check out our Facebook page. And we'll find that out. But I'm just going to go around the table here and I'm going to just give yourselves to give a one or two words summing up of how you feel now and how you feel with Brentford going forward. Katie B. Right now I feel all right. Moving forward I feel proper positive. Um, when we signed players like Pinnock and Raya, I felt a little bit, OK, this is going to be an- just another transfer window. Then we signed Pontus Janssen and everything just went bonkers. Uh, I'm excited for the season. I don't remember being this excited uh, since our first uh, season in the Championship 2014-2015. I'm buzzing. I'm energised. That's my two words. Uh, I'm, ve- I'm very, very happy. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Valencia and Buemo. I think... Um, they could be so exciting for us. Me, I'm excited and I'm excited and I'm actually feeling the fact that we've got off lightly because we've only lost one player. And the fact that Ben Rama's come, I think they just, that, that, that wild card, they play that at the last minute just to make us feel better. And also I think that there's a couple of players out there that are going to excite us. I'm excited about Brian from Troy and I think it's going to be a good season for us. We have got no idea what we're going to do but I'm feeling excited 
and I'm feeling like come on B. So listen, beside the Pride of West London podcast, thanks for checking us out. This has been the Deadline Day podcast from One Over the Eight by the River. We're excited. We've got our team coming. They're still talking in porter cabins at the training ground. There might be a mini pod tomorrow. That's right. There may be a mini pod where we're going to talk to our Middlesbrough buddies, our chums about the game of Saturday. But other than that, we're sitting down there as we're very happy. We've got an intact side. We've signed loads of players as we say. Come on, come on Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.